If you guys have your Bibles, I would encourage you to turn to John chapter 6. I will also have it um, on the screen as well. Uh, We're going to read a lot from the scriptures tonight. And just to kind of let you know where we're going as well. When I talked with like CC and some of the others who had wanted to maybe do a big room session, um, the idea for this was hopefully, uh, or at least the, the spirit of the room, at least as I understood it, talking with many of you who have been away or maybe you're still in town, is that a lot of us just feel like empty or we just feel hungry and we're just longing to be spiritually fed. We're longing for community. We're longing um, just be filled up. And so that was kind of why I was just like, CC, like, really just go for it. Gun it. Like, like just really help people feel filled up after this. Um, uh, I would say this next one, though, is going to be more of the challenge. It's going to be more of, okay, then what do we do once we're filled up or as we are being filled up? So once again, our portion, uh, of, the, or our, our portion of the evening is going to come from John chapter 6. And I'll begin reading for us. Do not work for food that perishes. This is Jesus talking to a crowd, uh, but for food that endures to eternal life, which is the, the, which the son of man will give you for on him. God, the father has placed his seal of approval. Then they inquired, what must we do to perform the works of God? Jesus replied, the work of God is this to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign then will you perform so that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our, our fathers ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us this bread at all times. Jesus answered, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger and whoever believes in me will never thirst. But as I stated, you have seen me and you still do not believe. Everyone the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of those he has given me, but raise them up on the last day. And our final verse, for it is God's will. Um, Oh, did this get cut off? Oh, here we go. It's God's will that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Um, as I mentioned earlier tonight, CC spoke on our longing to be uh, in community, to be filled up with God's spirit and power amongst each other, um, and that we would hopefully just overflow with wisdom and joy and the important role of community in that. Um, you know, many of us are like Jesus. Or, sorry, not like Jesus. Hopefully you're like Jesus. We're, we're like the people who are following Jesus in the passage we just read. We are longing to be filled up and fed spiritually. Um, but do you ever notice this? Do you ever, uh, maybe you go to a church service. Maybe you go to a a school chapel. Maybe you go to a Bible study, whatever it might be, and you feel filled up. And maybe it's the next day. Maybe it's even later that night, the next week, whatever it might be. You've been filled up, and yet you feel empty again, longing to be fed, longing to be filled up again. Here's the main reason. I'm just going to cut to the chase tonight. Here's the main reason I am convinced that that so many of us go through these, these cycles or this just... Um, agonizing rhythm of we feel filled up and then yet very quickly we feel empty again. And this is the challenge here for some of us. And I hope we have the heart uh, posture to hear it is we settle for less. I am convinced one of the biggest problems so many of us face in our spiritual life is actually that we settle for less. Here are the three areas I'm convinced that we settle for less. And I believe we have a slide on this is that we settle for the past instead of a brighter future. 
We settle for too small when God has something greater for us and we settle for the things of the world rather than God. I'll get into all these things in just a bit. But the main thing, if you leave with anything, it, was, it would hopefully be a spirit that we say, God, I do not want to settle for less. I don't want to be constantly looking in the rear view mirror. I want to see the bright future that you have ahead of me. I, God, I don't want to think so small. I don't, I don't want to believe that you don't have enough for me. I don't, I don't want to think that you just have little things for me or not great things for me, but God, that you have something greater in store. And I hope that we would not settle for the things of the world, but we would say, God, I, I take the world, but give me Jesus. When Jesus starts talking about bread from heaven, all the people can imagine is the past, meaning Moses, meaning the Exodus story, uh, rather than what the past was pointing to, because the whole point of it all was to point to Jesus as the bread of heaven. And they're settling for food that spoils. Uh, like literally, like Jesus had just fed 5,000 people. And they're like, oh, free food. That was nice. Do you, you have any more free food, Jesus? And yet he's saying, I want to offer you spiritual food um, that you, that, so that you will never hunger or thirst. Um, I've been fascinated by something called Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. We have a slide on this. Has anyone heard of this? Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs, some of you psych majors. Um, at, the, at the base of the pyramid, our base need are things like food, water, shelter. And at the top are things like significance, purpose, things like that. And the crowds are following Jesus. They have the base of the pyramid in mind, which is not necessarily like a bad thing. Like you got to have, you should hopefully have a roof over your head, food in your belly at some point in your life. And yet Jesus has in mind for this thing, you are settling for too little. You're settling for just the base of the pyramid when I have the whole thing for you. Uh, in a similar way, Jesus would elsewhere criticize them for basically following him only for the free food. Um, and they're settling for the worldly satisfaction of it and didn't stick around for the eternal aspect. But afterwards, when the crowds leave him, his, he says to his disciples, the 12, are you going to say? And they say, Lord, we have given up everything for you because this whole pyramid is worth it. Uh, if, if you get anything tonight, this is what has kind of motivated me in this. This has kind of unlocked it for me as I've talked with many people who are just feeling this constant like spiritual emptiness. Um, there's a story I heard of a missionary um, who, who went to uh, uh, this, this largely unreached people group uh, far away. Um, and it, his, his meeting was kind of brokered um, by another missionary because uh, basically this local church leader, largely unreached people group, had, had started this church and is saying, I need help. Can you help find me a pastor um, who will help me figure out what to do next? So this pastor from America comes. He meets with him. And, you know, he's been trained in seminary on the Bible. He knows all about leadership and all the latest trends and how to grow church ministries and stuff like that. So he says, well, tell me about this ministry. Tell me about this community of Christians um, in this hostile environment to their faith. And he says, yeah, sure. I, uh, the, the leader of this you know, church says, um, you know, I came to Christ a number of years ago, and since then we've had uh, hundreds of people led to Christ and come to know the Lord over the years. Uh, we meet together every day. In fact, actually, a lot of times we meet multiple times per day to share meals together. And over those meals, we read the scriptures together. Uh, we memorize them and discuss them. Uh, and then we pray over each other and over our village. We talk about the needs in our community. Uh, and then we'll actually pull together our resources so that we can help anyone in need. We pray for the sick and they're healed. We prepare our hearts for suffering and persecution. And the missionary is like just bewildered and says, so what do you want from me then? And the local leader says, well, you're from, you're from America, you know, America. And, and you, you know the Bible and you went to seminary and, and, and I need you to tell us 
what to do. And the missionary, like without missing a beat, says, I don't want to tell you what to do because I'm worried that I'm just going to mess up the good thing that you already have going on. Because here's the thing about the American church, he tells them, they have settled for less than what you already have. And I don't want to mess up. What, what is going so well here. Notice this church was incredibly similar to basically the end of Acts chapter two, and yet they were hungry for more to do the things that Jesus had commissioned them to do. Notice the American is shocked because our churches have settled for so much less. Um, in the Exodus story that Jesus references, the people grumble, they complain. It, it, it's so funny to me. Like, like I was just reading through a lot of it and it's funny that they say, you know what was really great? slavery in Egypt. Wasn't that a good time when we had, you know, like food on the table? Yeah, we had people whip us and whatnot, but they long for Egypt. Talk about settling for less. And yet that's what we do because we often have no spiritual imagination for greater things for where God may be taking us next. We yearn for the past instead of looking forward to what God is doing next. Um, I've been so fascinated with with that passage um, and reading alongside Numbers 11, uh, I'd highly recommend doing that in your own devotional time. The story that Jesus is referencing in John 6, which we read, is when the Israelites were rescued from slavery and oppression in Egypt. And here's the funny thing. I, I didn't think about this until I like reread through it, is that they actually should have had an imagination for the promised land or had an expectation that it would come because God had promised to Abraham, Isaac, and especially Jacob, that his aunt or his descendants would inherit that land. And they're going, why'd you bring us out of Egypt? Why are we going through the desert? What, what's the problem here, Moses? What was wrong with Egypt? And yet they didn't have the imagination of what God had already said that he was going to do. So it starts out, God is first just trying to get them out of Egypt, basically for like a worship vacation at the mountain of the Lord. And it morphs into a complete liberation and the conquest of Canaan. And time and time again, he's rescuing them, providing for them. And they keep saying uh, to Moses, there, were there no graves in Egypt? So you brought us out to the desert to die. In Egypt, we had plenty of food and water. And in response, God says, okay, here's water from a rock, but that's not enough. So he gives them bread from heaven and Jesus mentions it. Here's what's funny to me that Jesus does not mention in number, uh, at least concerning, it's, sorry, I'll say this again. It's mentioned in Numbers 11. It's not mentioned by Jesus in John 6, um, but they wanted more than water. They wanted meat. And so God says, fine, here's like a whole like flock of quail. Here's your meat. Here's my question for those of us who always seem to want more uh, to the point where we just feel spiritually empty. When will it be enough? And, and I don't mean that like a pejorative sense or something like, like you'll, you'll never be satisfied, but when will you fill, be filled up and uh, be fed and content? What would it really take to make you feel satisfied? My hunch for many of us is unfortunately there is no limit because uh, many of us are like broken cisterns that are described in Jeremiah uh, 2.13. In our modern imagination, just, just imagine a, a cup. You know, like literally Gracie and I had a problem in our house where we bought like these cheap plastic cups and they like aren't, I guess, dishwasher safe. So they developed these cracks and, and it wasn't noticeable at first, but we would fill them up and we would notice like almost a puddle on our table, like not even just condensation. And, and, the, and the more we noticed was that eventually they start like just straight up leaking, that we're putting water into them. And it's just leaking out. That's what Jeremiah is, is describing. He's saying the people of Israel had become like broken cisterns. God is pouring into them. He's giving them his spirit. He's giving them living water and it's just leaking out the sides. But I want us to be imagined. I want to stoke our, our um, spiritual imagination. That, that imagine being so filled up 
and fed by Jesus in your personal devotional time at church or chapel or whatever it might be, that, that you're getting the bread and water of life so much so that it is not leaking out the sides, but that you are so filled up, it begins to just naturally overflow out of you. So instead of feeling empty, the joy and the love and the peace that we receive from Jesus overflows like, like you just can't contain it. You're like, I can't help but just sing in my dorm room or, or just bless someone today or just smile or, or whatever it might be because I just have so much love in my heart. I'm just so eager and it's just naturally being given away. Uh, in our Sunday night uh, study on Ecclesiastes, I was talking with uh, one, of my, one of the groups um, and we we're talking about something that um, uh, certain like preachers have noticed and scholars have noticed. Uh, which is that in Ecclesiastes, uh, a, a theme is that much of our work is motivated to be better than someone else or to be richer than someone else. Uh, we buy things, you know, with money that we don't have uh, to buy things we don't need to impress people we don't like. You know, it's kind of the keeping up with the Joneses. So much of what we've done is out of envy for someone else or competition with someone else. Some of your majors, those of you who are in college uh, or maybe you just graduated, are overtly, like unapologetically competitive in that you have to be in the top X percent of your class just to get into med school or law school or just to continue on uh, or get into your major's program. Some of you feel insecure because you're not as pretty as the other girl. You know, Instagram's algorithm is like designed, literally designed to separate consumers and corporations from their money at unprecedented rates. And the way they do that is exploiting young women's bodily insecurities. It's not a bug. It is a feature of social media. And that's what Ecclesiastes is getting at. That's the great evil under the sun. And yet the paradigm of Jesus that Ecclesiastes is pointing towards and pointing forward to is that you would be so content <coughs> with being the 14th best barista in your town, that it doesn't matter. You don't need the number one spot. That status doesn't matter to you. But what matters is simply the gospel, good news, truth, that God loves you, that that is your primary motivator. That is how we go from broken cups and vessels who are insatiable for spirituality, which not the worst thing in the world, that we're hungry for meat like quail, whatever that is. But Jesus isn't saying that we need meat. And you might be thinking, what are you talking about? Of course I want spiritual meat. What, what else you know, are we supposed to have? The Israelites who ate literal bread from heaven thought that was not good enough and wanted meat. Um, but Jesus is saying that we need bread. We're taught in the Sermon on the Mount to pray for our daily bread. Um, that that is the bread of life that eternally satisfies. It's in him. So don't miss this. The, the most satisfying bread Jesus offers us it's the simple gospel truth that he loves you. Here's my cutting question to you if you're saying, but I need more. I need, I need, I need more than that. Um, is God's love good enough for you? I think we have a slide on this. Is knowing that, God's love, uh, that God loves you, is that enough for you? Or are we looking for something else? One of the greatest deceptions of the devil is that we don't have what we already have. Uh, that's how he gets us to settle for less because we are deceived into thinking that we're settling for less already when in reality we can be content with the love of God. Uh, the Israelites kept asking for more. They asked for, you know, meat, uh, more than bread. They asked for earthly kings because they said we need more than just God as our king. They didn't want just some teacher offering bread from heaven, whatever that is. They wanted a political military leader of a Messiah. Um, what do you need from God more than to know that he came down from heaven bore our sins on the cross and rose again to give us that same resurrection. What do we need? And I, I really hope that we wouldn't
take this as some like Steve's poking us or something like that. But really, I, I hope we would look introspectively and say, God, what have I said in my life? What am I saying by my actions that I need to feel loved by you? I'm convinced that much of our anxiety melts away when we truly realize that God loves us in the scope of eternity. That it's not going to matter that you're a homeowner or a renter or how many friends you had, how many vacations you took, the likes that you got on social media is going to matter when we stand before God that Jesus loved us and died for us and that we had faith and trust in him, that he loved us enough to give himself on the cross for us. And that changes everything. If I don't go to law school, I'll be okay. Because if God is for me, who can be against me? You know, I was recently talking with someone who said, um, just simply to me, it just really like, it sounds weird this would rock my world. They just said, I, you know, I realize church is so great because this is the place where I'm loved. I come here, I come to the kingdom of God and that's where I'm loved. Imagine it's Saturday night and instead of thinking, oh man, I can't stay up late. I can't go out party with my friends. I can't, I don't know, whatever you guys do on Saturday night, play, you know, milk pong and drink coffee or whatever. Um, instead of thinking, oh man, you know, I, 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 I gotta be careful because I have church tomorrow I got to pass the offering plate or I got to volunteer with high school. What if instead of that, you think, yes, yes, finally, it's Saturday night. It's like Friday because you're going, that means tomorrow is Sunday. I can't wait to go to the place where I'm loved. I get to go to my father's house and bask in his presence. Notice the love of God, by the way, shifts us from a have to mindset to a get to attitude. Yet many of us are stuck in the have-to mindset because we've settled for the ghost of some past, uh, past experience or for something more temporary than God's rejuvenating joy. Or maybe you're just seeking worldly pleasure rather than God's uh, contentment. Settling for less does not necessarily mean that contentment is bad, by the way. So here's what I want to do. I, I, you know, maybe I've made us cry internally already or not. Um, I want to just give us two application pieces. For those of us settling for less that hopefully we would take this into worship and that we would process with the Lord. Uh, these are the two things I'm convinced. That there are some of us in this room who are a prisoner in our own mind. We'll get to that in a second. Um, and that actually I'm convinced that many of us already know the solution um, to, um, to essentially our spiritual emptiness and spiritual dryness. Uh, the first is this. Uh, I was really struck by something I heard another pastor say that no one is a prisoner except in their own mind. One of the most heartbreaking things I see in church in general is um, some of us love Jesus. And yet we feel like if I'm not a missionary, if I'm not like in full-time ministry, if I'm not like a pastor, you know, if I don't major in like, I don't know, biblical studies or something like that, then maybe I don't love Jesus enough. And so I have to be in ministry. I have to, you know, do X, Y, Z, have it as my job title or, you know, be in the mission field or something like that, because that's what it really means. And if I don't, then maybe I don't love Jesus enough. Some of us are a prisoner of the have to mindset. And maybe even there are some of us who think or see someone more spiritual than us and think, ah, oh, man, that should be me. Why aren't I as spiritual as them? Something uh, that maybe we need to confess and surrender and worship is our desire to be more spiritual than someone else or have the approval of people thinking. Like we just need people to see us and validate our spirituality and think that we're a good Christian boy or girl, whether or not we actually are. Uh, and instead, what I hope that we would trade for that is, is to trade and receive the bread of life in the form of God's love for you and allow it to overflow out of you so that, that you giving out of your spiritual fulfillment, not for it. By the way, some of us need to hear that again. Some of us 
are, are living for God. Some of us are serving God. Some of us are doing spiritual things for spiritual fulfillment or for um, uh, someone else's affirmation, perhaps even for God's affirmation and not from it. I really, I, it's such a simple, simple thing and yet such a difficult thing for so many of us to do, to, to shift our mindset from doing things for spiritual fulfillment and from it. Because when we're doing it for spiritual fulfillment, it often leaks out. But when it's just like welled up in us and it just overflows, it just is this natural thing. We're saying, I, I, I've just been so blessed by God. I'm just so grateful for what he's doing in my life. I'm just so excited that he's done so much. It's just, it's just naturally bubbling out and overflowing from me. Um, you know, Tanner and I, Tanner Lowe and I were talking recently um, and we just, we had this thought. We were like just, just so passionate about and expressing to each other. And we're just thinking, how, how do we put this succinctly for the American church? Um, and he actually found this great quote. I'm like jealous of him. Uh, I want to be more spiritual like him. Uh, you know, here's me preaching to myself. Um, but he had this great quote and he sent it to me and I wanted to share it with you. Uh, it's from a guy named Josh Howerton. He said, the vast majority of Christians are educated past their level of obedience if you would just do what you already know, your life would change. How simple, how good, how deep is that? What if our insatiable appetite for more, for deeper, would be less of an appetite that's never full, but an overflow of joy and love that leads to us not worrying about our level of Christian education or whatever it might be, but excited and reflexively taking steps to obey? Your spiritual life would change dramatically. Uh, if we would just embrace the solution that we already know what it looks like to obey Jesus. There are probably so many things that you and I already know we should be doing in our spiritual life. And yet we feel like there has to be another thing that we got to like hack the system, you know, and find the secret that other people aren't doing or, or whatever it might be when perhaps it's just a simple love and obedience that we need to surrender to. Uh, or do you know the solution? Do you really know how much God loves you. Maybe you've heard that before, but do you need to hear it again? And if you have heard it and you are in a good place where you don't necessarily, you know, you're like, oh, I'm, I'm chilling, you know, um, isn't it still such good news to share and radically see lives transformed by it? You may think, ah, but Steve, I, I go to all kinds of Bible studies. You know, I go to school chapels, circuit riders. I serve in the church. I go on missions trips. So I'm okay. Maybe someone else needs to hear it. The more likely case is if you are saying or thinking that, is that you need to hear it. That is like the big thesis I keep circling back to tonight is you and I need to hear it. And if you think you don't, you need to hear it more. Um, the more likely case um, is that we have uh, is that God is longing to break down the barrier of our spiritual facade that we've built on settling for less than the overflowing measure of God's love. Maybe you've been settling for less and realize that you've been stagnant spiritually and, and you haven't been poured into or had God's spirit channeled through you. And maybe tonight is the wake-up call that God isn't disappointed in you for doing so. That he's not disappointed in you for being so stagnant, but has spiritual vitality ready and waiting for you if you only would allow it to fill you. So I want to give our worship team space. You guys can come up, actually. Um, what I would love to do is see for us to take a step up. Like, literally, this is what I want us to do. 
uh, this like level of you know the the well room where I am standing. I would love for us to step one level above it um, and just leave the lower level empty. And here's what I would say: um, if you need prayer tonight, uh, if you need a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit, maybe you need, you're just longing to remember your first love of Jesus to experience God's love for the first time or the first time in a long time, or just to take a step in serving Jesus out of, out of spiritual fulfillment rather than for it, then what I would love for us to do is just step forward. You can stand, you can go to your knees, you can sit if you want uh, uh, to receive. Just to say, God, I'm here to receive. And what I would love for us to do as community, and this is you know part of the contract, is if you are coming down, then we're accepting and saying, God, I want my community to be like just this, wave of hot coals over me that would that would just like reignite this fire um and so i I just want to invite us whoever you know is saying you know what like i i need this but you know i just want to pray for this person who's coming forward so i'd encourage us as a community to pray over those who come forward and for also us to just have the boldness and the bravery say god i surrender i need you so as we enter this time of worship, um, will we stand uh, and just, you know, kind of stay, you know, kind of on this level and just come forward either to receive or to give prayer tonight. So with that, let's worship.